Thank you for tuning in to Remodeling Mastery by Mark Richardson. Brought to you by Surefire Social. For more advice, tips, and strategy on small business marketing, visit surefiresocial.com forward slash podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson. Welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that allows you to take some time and reflect. Reflect on how you're doing in your business. Also to think about. Think about sort of the past, the present in terms of what's working, what's not, but also to look into the future. Today's session that I'm going to be getting into is focused on positioning for the future, and more specifically, I think, positioning for 2017. You know, for the last five years or so, I've actually had an opportunity to work with the best of the best in the remodeling industry, and I think as I have experienced that, one of the interesting things in the process is how different businesses look at the future is really quite different. And all businesses were not created equal. All owners don't look at and aren't motivated the same when it comes to the business. You know, as you think about 2017, I think one common denominator out there is I think people are feeling relatively gung-ho and anxious to continue to experience some positive returns and some growth. But growth is defined, I think, by businesses really quite differently. Some businesses look at it in terms of top-line growth, top-line sales. What is my sales increase from one year to the next, quarter to quarter? Some of them look at the portfolio blend. The portfolio blend is the type of projects and services. Many of the larger specialty type companies back 10 years ago, they were almost exclusively doing windows and siding where many of those better companies have a great blend of bathrooms and kitchens into their portfolio. Growth also may be focused on team. As you take some inventory of your team, you might find some gaps between your leadership and holes within your team that need to be focused on improved in growth. Growth is also about profitability. And while I don't think profitability is the only measure of success, I think it's critical to have a healthy business. So you might be looking at relatively low net profit margins in 2016, and that might be the priority for growth next year. You also might want to take a look at growth in terms of your client base and your client experience. You know, one of the assets for a remodeling business is, in fact, the client base. Matter of fact, a good friend of mine actually did a presentation and looked at the lifetime value of a client, and it's pretty dramatic that if you can have a great client experience, a tremendous size of client base, then you can see predictability. Another way to think about it is also in terms of sustainable growth. You know, this business has high peaks and high valleys, and we tend to have, I think, short memories of the valleys that we've been into when we've been climbing out of the recovery for two or three years. However, I think if you want to think about the next two, three years, what is the next dip and how well are you positioned for that? Is your business predictable? Is it sustainable? That might be the priority or how you grow in the future. 
And lastly, you might also want to think about strategic alliances in terms of your growth. You know, strategic alliances, as I'll talk a little bit more, come in a lot of different legs and fashions, I think, when it comes within your business. They could benefit you from efficiencies in terms of uh, timing and client experience. They could also uh, give you some assistance in terms of lead generation. Strategic alliances could also help you on the economic side of your business. You know, I think for many, it's way too scary to be out on an island by yourself. And I think growth might be, in fact, defined by how you expand and grow your strategic alliance relationships, not just your internal business. So as you think about growth and you start to reflect on the future, one of the things I find interesting is I think at a very fundamental level, you've got to look in the mirror and ask what your motivations are for the future. As an owner of a remodeling business or leader in the remodeling business, your motivations have to be in sync with the business motivations. Now, this sounds a little bit condescending. However, I find a lot of times the growth of the business is not necessarily fully connect with the owner's motivation. So I've actually written about this subject and talked about the seven motivations of remodeling owners I see out there. So I'm not going to go into a lot of depth today on that. However, I will highlight what those seven are. The first is I see some remodeling owners, especially smaller businesses, they just look at it. Their motivation is they're happy to have a job. You know, they could have lost a job. And now they have a job because they have their own business and they can control their own destiny because they have a job. That's their motivation. So growth for them is not necessarily the same as growth for other types of businesses. Second, it could be more of an entrepreneur or innovative kind of motivation. You know, there's many remodeling uh, leaders out there that are very entrepreneurial that are oftentimes so driven by what I call chasing the shiny objects out there and not necessarily in the blocking and tackling of the business. Again, nothing wrong with that, but you've got to weave that in balance into your planning for the future. The third motivation I see out there with some remodeling owners is that they're investors. They look at the remodeling business almost like real estate property. What's the return on investment? What do I need to do to improve it? Should I improve it this much, this much? It's not necessarily about the top line growth. It's about the return on the investment. A fourth motivation I see with owners out there is ego. Oftentimes, you know, this is a business that allows, I think, your human sort of ego to really flourish. Whether the ego is driven by seeing yourself on a cover of a magazine or acknowledged in terms of awards or complimented by at a cocktail party in terms of how great you and the company is. But oftentimes it's driven by ego. And again, while I think we're all a blend of all of these things, if in fact ego is the motivation, you certainly need to have the right sort of positioning in terms of public relations to be able to fulfill that. The fifth one that I see, which is probably, in my opinion, probably the most healthy, at least in terms of the kinds of things I can help you with by listening to this podcast, is in fact the motivation is to create a great business. You know, business has a lot of legs to it. Just like I talk about in How Fit Is Your Business, it's got a lot of legs into it. It's got profitability. It's got team. It's got process. 
you know, one of the focus of growing a great business is, in fact, it creates opportunities for your team members. And if that really is, is something that hits a chord for you, then that might be your motivation. A sixth motivation I see out there is what I call sort of the motivation that's wrapped around being evangelistic. Evangelist is not necessarily just a religious connotation, but it's also about some sort of cause that is greater than you or your business. The cause could be in the environment. The cause could be aging in place. The cause could be more cultural in terms of wanting to create a better place and certainly serve the communities around you. But if that's really what your motivation is, I think it definitely has an influence over what the business can look like. And the last, I think, which is also quite important, is the legacy. You know, many, many remodeling businesses have multi-generations within the business itself. And these multi-generations, I think, have a lot of elements to it that obviously the, the senior generation cares a little bit differently than the second and the third generations within the business. You know, I think if you think about, you know, if you have more of a family-type business or you see a legacy of that business moving on in terms of other key team members, that might be what your motivation is, is really create the right kind of balance and well-being for the future of your team members and the future of your family. So while I think most business owners out there are a blend of these seven motivations, I think before you're really talking about positioning for the future, thinking about 2017, I think it makes some sense to warrant some level of discussion, discussion with your key team members, but also discussion with yourself of where you fall. Now, as you've heard me talk about, I really see there's three keys to success as you're moving forward. And I mention these in the context of positioning for the future, because if you don't have these in place, you need to sort of focus on these or make these a priority to get these in place if you're ever really going to accomplish, I think, many of the goals and dreams that you want to. The three key ingredients I see for the best of the best out there are, number one, they have the right business mindset within the business. Number two, they're fundamentally in shape and fit. And number three, they are changing and adjusting. So by unpacking these three for a minute, the right mindset, as I've shared before, is about attitude. It's about work ethic. You know, negative attitude in business is like cancer that spreads throughout the business. You got to nip that in the bud if you're going to be successful. Number two is success has to do with also being in shape. You can have the right kind of attitude in business, but if the business is not fundamentally in shape in terms of the team and the processes and all the parts and pieces, just like when it comes to our personal health and fitness, then you probably are going to continue to be challenged. And the third element is change. You know, I heard a friend of mine said, if a business is not changing, it'll become irrelevant. And I think that really hit a chord for me because that's the ultimate insult. So in changing, you got to understand change. You know, look to the past. 
How much have things have changed? And I would argue, having done this analysis and certainly other talks and podcasts on this subject, that if you look at how dramatic things have changed in the last 10 years, it's sort of a game changer for businesses. So you've got to adapt and adjust to those changes, otherwise you'll never be successful. But change isn't just about understanding it. Change is also about developing a culture within your organization to change as opposed to continuing to do things the way you did it in the past. Change is also about implementing change. And implementing change has the right cadence and pace when it comes to change and the right buy-in when it comes to the team members. So, again, what I see is some of the best of the best out there. If you can focus on those three things, the mindset, the fitness, and change, then chances are you're going to be nicely positioned for all the, I think, motivations that you have and all the specific goals in terms of positioning for 2017 and beyond. You know, 80% of business success is a science, not an art. And the reason that I like that 80-20 rule when it comes to businesses is that as a science, it's a formula. It's not necessarily a fantasy. It's not necessarily a dream. And if you have the discipline to follow the formula, then chances are your likelihood of success is much greater. So think about growth for a minute and why not only businesses grow, but also think about the pace and cadence for growth. Sometimes as I'm working with business and business leaders, it's the cadence of growth that is where the challenge is, not the motivation, not the fundamental fitness, and not even what the goals are. All of those things may be healthy, but the cadence might be too slow or too fast for growth. So in my book, Fit to Grow, I really have a whole chapter dedicated to what is the right pace for growth. At least what I found in more normalized times, and certainly the recession are not normalized times, I do feel today we're in normalized times. There really are different percentages of growth. So if you think about where you are going to end up in 2016, one way to think about growth is as, I, as the following. A 0% growth, in my opinion, and whatever your total amount of sales, total amount of top-line sales are in 2017 going into, or 16 going into 17, 0% growth, you're not moving. You're not moving, you'll probably go backwards, not forward. You know, I'm a big believer, if a business is not growing, it's dying. You might define growth slightly differently, but you have to be committed to growth to be healthy. A 0 to 5% growth is certainly okay, but it you might lose a little bit of market share. Most of your competitors, most of the better businesses out there are growing at a much higher rate in normalized times than that. So if you find, for example, your client base slipping or you find some of your team members getting a little bit disillusioned, it might be because your rate of growth, 0 to 5%, is just too modest. 5 to 10% growth, I think, does take a certain amount of attention. However, is that the right level of growth that really creates opportunities for your clients and certainly for your team members? I would argue in the times that we're in, while it's certainly fine to target zero to five to 10% growth, it, it, it tends to be a little bit modest. 
10 to 20% growth, in my opinion, in normalized times is in fact where the sweet spot. You know, as I lead different organizations and calls of thought leaders in this industry, for the most part, the best of the best are targeting in that 10% to 20% levels of growth. Now, I don't want to be dogmatic about these percentages, but what I do want to say is 10 to 20% growth over a period of time is a very healthy level of growth. Healthy in terms of creating opportunities for your team. Healthy in terms of your client base and adding new product services. Healthy in terms of maintaining a nice, healthy growth and net profit margin and not necessarily uh, investing it all into the future. So as you think about the level of growth, that's a good sweet spot. Now, when you get up above the 20 25%, Some companies can handle that level of growth, depending on the times, depending on the products, depending on the services, and certainly the marketing strategies and the team and how they're structured. However, that is a higher risk level of growth. Now, when you look at sort of some of those companies out there that have grown that fast, uh, that is sort of where the high risk is. It's almost like driving 80, 90 miles an hour in a 60, 70 miles an hour zone. Yes, of course, physically can you can do it, but it's definitely higher risk. So moving on, as you think about some of these key areas to position for your business, I would encourage you to look at, as you're thinking about the future, look at it in terms of some of the key pillars. And there's five key pillars I would encourage you to look at. And you can unpack each one of these pillars and you can come up with strategies, you can come up with techniques, you can come up with plans, goals, and objectives for each one. Number one is your product. You know, is your product relevant? Is your product easy to buy? Is your product diversified? Are you focused on how the client's buying your product, not just what your product is? Number two is your team. I think more than ever, today is a time you've got to master the talent. You've got to become more of a magnet for the talent. You know, do you have A players? Are they committed to you? Are you sort of uh, creating more of a team sport kind of mentality? The third pillar I would encourage you to think about is your client. And your client, I think, you have to know more than ever. Your client is changing in terms of the demographics. You know, we're seeing a lot more 30-somethings coming into some of the remodeling businesses. And what the younger generation certainly cares about, not only as your employees but also as clients, is different. How they want to go about business is different. And I think the more that you can capture that client today or the client of the future, the more successful you're going to be. Number four is technology. For many years, you know, I would say 10, 20 years ago, technologies are going to revolutionize this industry. Well, they already have. And technology, if you look at where the focus is on technology today, it's had a tremendous amount of change. So it's time, I think, more than ever for you to heavily invest in the technologies that are required. But as you heavily invest, it's not just in terms of your internal investments, but it's also the benefits of these technologies to your clients. That should be a check as you're making any of your economic benefits when it comes to technology. How does this benefit the client? And you've got to fully embrace, I think, the 
the theme of transparency. You know, the level of transparency today in terms of technologies has allowed your clients to know more about the products than you. It's allowed them to know more about the cost of the products. And it's allowed them to know more about you and your company, in many cases, even than you know. The last of the pillars I would encourage as you position for the future is strategic partnerships. You know, this is an industry that's very fragmatic. Fragmatic. It's very chaotic. And I think it's important that you, you think more uh, synergistically in terms of strategic partners. So wipe out of your vocabulary the word vendor. Think of your competitors as allies, as strategic partners. And when you start to think in terms of strategic relationships and partnerships, you're going to expand your comfort zone much greater and I think position yourself for the future. So lastly, I want to close with, as you think about how to position yourself in the company, it really oftentimes starts with you. Great companies Great companies, not good companies, great companies begin with great leaders. You know, and great leaders are oftentimes developed, not necessarily born. So it first starts, I think, with you having the right mindset. You know, you have to be the leader in your organization. You have to be positive. You have to demonstrate work ethic. You've got to really think about the right cadence and pace when it comes to your business and change. The second is I think you have got to adopt a culture, not only within the company, but for yourself, of being a student of success. And a student of success invests time in themselves to be successful. Start to make appointments to yourself, not only to think about the business and the future, but think about your own leadership skills. And lastly, I think you need to think about your time as a great leader in spending a chunk of time on the short term, but don't forget about the medium and long term. You know, as a leader in your business, you need to spend at least 10 to 20% of your time focusing on the 3, 6, 12 months out in your business. And if you're focusing on those longer-term thinking, it's not only what your team is yearning for, but it's also what creates a healthy business. So I want to thank everybody today, and I think I'm very gung-ho about the future, I'm very gung-ho about the opportunities that are out there, then I think if, if you can just start to think about position and plan for the future in 2017, your level of success to get there is going to be so much greater. Take care, everyone. Remodeling Mastery by Mark Richardson was created to help business owners like you grow your business. Learn something new today? Let us know by tweeting at Surefire Social. For more podcasts, visit surefiresocial.com forward slash podcast.